The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And it's so good to have you with us today. Of course, hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. A lot of super racing uh, was certainly on the schedule. And uh, I don't know if you go back through a lot of pedigrees, you'll find a great horse by the name of Double J. And I'm hoping to have a Double J show here tonight. Uh, Two uh, staunch and excellent award-winning writers from the Daily Racing Forum based in California, home of California Chrome, Jay Hovday and Jay Privman are both scheduled to be on the show. Now, uh, Jay Hovday, you may have seen on some banners if you go up to the Daily Racing Forum, uh, the, the new book. You know, I mean, here's a guy that's won uh, four Eclipse Awards. It's called Long Rain, R-E-I-N, and it's Tales from the World of Horse Racing. Now, I believe Jay has probably penned over 2,500 columns, and he had to whittle this down to, I think, about 81. It's just a fantastic read. Uh, it's put in different segments. And uh, we'll, we'll go through that uh, when we get a chance to talk to Jay. And then uh, Jay Privman, he's been uh, boots on the ground with the California Chrome people. He knows uh, the, everything that's going on leading up to the Belmont. So we're going to uh, pick his brain uh, on what's going on and how he sees the Belmont coming up. And uh, we'll get a chance to take a look at uh, two graded stakes races out at Santa Anita this week, uh, the grade two Californian and the one-and-a-quarter-mile turf race, the Grade 1 American Oaks. Well, it brought up Memorial Day weekend, and a lot of you players were hoping that uh, you'd be going for that Rainbow Six. It was highly touted. Well, horse owner Dan Borislow broke a lot of people's doubles, a lot of people's hopes, and... He did it by a nose. That's right. The day before the Rainbow Six, he ended up hitting for $6.6 million. He hit it on Sunday, uh, a record uh, payoff. He bet down at uh, Gulfstream. He bet it at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. You may recall uh, Boris Lowe. He's had some uh, high-profile horses. He's the guy that invented the Magic Jack back in uh, 2007. And uh, he spent a little bit of money to get it. He said he spent about 15000 But any day you can spend 15000 to get $6 million, I think that's a real good idea. And, again, uh, his Kalana, who won the race, got up by a nose over Russian night. And had that horse not gotten up, a lot more money would have been put through the windows. I knew several people that were putting together syndicates myself. Of course, uh, Boris Lowe, as I mentioned earlier, long-term horse owner. Uh, he had uh, Beautiful Bid, who was the Dama 2000 Eclipse Award champion, Beautiful Pleasure, and he also campaigned Tossett, a four-time graded stakes winner. So he says, you know, I'm known as one of the biggest bettors in the country, and sooner or later, if you work at something long enough, eventually you should get it right again. They were thinking that uh, the pool probably would have exceeded $15 million had it not been hit on Sunday rather than Monday. Okay, let's get on to some good news. Shared belief romped in his three-year-old debut. Last year's champion, two-year-old, 
made a triumphant return to the races at Golden Gate Fields, uh, kind of his uh, home field. But he faced some tough horses. He, first of all, they were older, and I doubt there's many three-year-olds that have faced older rivals already. And uh, it was in a, a sprint, and he went one oh nine and four. Not bad at all. I guess he's back now. This was his first start since December fourteenth, uh, when he captured the seven hundred fifty thousand dollar Grade One Cash Call Futurity easily by five and three quarter lengths. Uh, that and with a score in the Grade Three Hollywood. Hollywood preview uh, launched him to his Eclipse Award. Uh, Hollendorfer uh, purchased shared belief after his debut victory. Very sharp for Jerry. And he owns the horse in partnership with Jim Rome's Jungle Racing. Also, Alex Solis II, Jason Litt, K.M. Racing, and George Todaro. For a horse that's uh, only raced four times, he's banked 472000 Jerry Hollendorfer did not state where or when shared belief would make his next start. Well, we usually uh, save the uh, race results for the latter part of this segment, but uh, do want to get out that uh, Jack Milton, who won the poker stakes, uh, recorded a little bit of history. It was an exciting race. Uh, came from last to first in the $300,000 poker, but that race made trainer Todd Pletcher, Thoroughbred Racing's all-time leading money-winning trainer. Uh, he moved past D. Wayne Lucas, who, of course, he worked under for many years before he broke out on his own. And uh, he is now second with 268467000 in purses. And But Todd was very gracious in, in, in passing his old boss. He said, I think it's a product of inflation, to be honest. And I don't think anybody's going to match Wayne's accomplishments in this business. That said, it's still a satisfying milestone for the team that recorded it, and I'm very proud of them. So, Todd Pletcher, over the top. All right, so there's uh, two items of good news on the racing scene. Now for maybe some not-so-good news. Uh, Risen Star winner Intense Holiday has been retired from racing. He already underwent surgery for a condylar fracture to his right front leg, and uh, they say that it was a, this came out good, but uh, what they were really frustrated about was that after the disappointing finish in the Derby, Intense Holiday underwent a thorough veterinary exam, um, and including digital x-rays, and all of his results came back clean. So he was shipped to Belmont, uh, where he'd been training very well. Now, Todd Pletcher was uh, just as frustrated as, as the good doctor, um, and he well, you know, had such concern that he did send him there to be checked out. He didn't understand his finish in the Derby, though a lot of horses uh, did get in trouble. And uh, Starlight... Racing co-managing partner Jack Wolf was actually at Belmont watching the work, and uh, they just weren't able to repair the injury. He said to the extent that he could, that he wouldn't come back as the same horse. Uh, so he's going to uh, make plans for him. They have not yet been finalized, but another good three-year-old goes to the sidelines. Um, also, I believe that uh, it's not great news that uh, we learned that strong mandate is going to be going to the sidelines. Uh, D. Wayne Lucas's uh, winner of the hopeful stakes last year uh, was sent to have a chip removed, and Dr. Larry Bramlage said the injury would probably compromise his ability re- to return to grade one competition. Of course, uh, what a pedigree this horse has. They probably don't want to take a chance with him. Uh, he's a son of uh, Breeders' Cup Classic winner Tiznow. 
He's out of grade one winner and millionaire clear mandate. She also produced a $3.0 million yearling, uh, a $3.3 million uh, Newfoundland, and uh, quite, she's been quite uh, the, uh, the broodmare, I shall say. So he's got a good pedigree. It's a sad to say that we're going to see him go into the sidelines. Uh, one that's going to be going to the sidelines forever, and, you know, this is case, it's a good thing, is Amazombie. Uh, he was the uh, champion sprinter of 2011. He's been retired. He's an eight-year-old gelding, so didn't have, uh, you know, too much uh, bad news uh, on his front as far as retirement's concerned since uh, he is eight years old and he's, he's done uh, everything they've wanted to do. Uh, they just said that he's had a series of minor setbacks and he's been so good to the owners that they just didn't want to, uh, to put him through any more racing. He won 12 of 29 starts, earned over $1.9 million. Also, our good friend, uh, Michael Blowen, uh, lost a good friend too, and Clever Alamont, he was euthanized down at Old Friends uh, on the morning of May 26. So uh, Clever Alamont, though, obviously lived out his last years uh, very well at Old Friends, uh, but uh, he was one of these horses that was uh, actually uh, on his way to slaughter, and uh, he was discovered in a kill buyer's pen in Kansas, and they were able to uh, to rescue him, even though he was thin and he had lost his right eye. And uh, for the next half a decade, uh, he was one of Old Friends' most popular retirees. So sorry to see him go, but I'm glad that he lived out his uh, his final years in retirement uh, with the great people down at Old Friends in Georgetown, Kentucky. Of course, they're always open to visitors. Feel free to stop by the farm if you are in central Kentucky. Uh, well, if you ever bet the jumps, you'll probably bet Joe Atchison, Jr. Uh, back in the day. Uh, he passed away at, at uh, 85 years old, just an amazing uh, jumps driver that led uh, quite a, uh, a life uh, he was born in Maryland. His father pitched for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, he grew up riding for his uncle's stable, cleaning barns and guiding trail rides. Uh, uh, went in, into the U.S. Navy, saw action, um, and then, uh, of course, he became one of the greatest steeplechase riders of all time. Um, legendary writer Red Smith once said that he was held together with bailing wire and tape because of the numerous injuries he had suffered, and he was inducted into the National Steeplechase and Hunt Association's Hall of Fame back in 1976. Okay, um, let's take a look at some Memorial Weekend results. Out on the West Coast, it was fire to fire in the Charlie Whittingham. Fire to fire was uh, bred by an Ohio breeder. Um, Tyler Bays uh, had to kind of change tactics there. He, uh, he won his uh, Big race uh, prior to this, this uh, Grade Two San Luis race stakes over a mile and a half on the front end, and this time he came from off of it and finished a neck in front of three to one Segway, who was a neck in front of Quick Casa Blanca. So fire with fire uh, won the race and uh, entirely different style than he was used to. All right, let's take a look. Uh, we had our good friend Byron King on the show with us last week, and that uh, native son of Louisville um, uh, handicapped the 
Louisville handicap with us at Churchill Downs. And uh, we both said the horse to beat in here was War Dancer, but uh, we were looking for better odds than four to five. Uh, War Dancer uh, got the job done, but it was a close one, an exciting race it was. Uh, War Dancer uh, just uh, got up and turned back the late charge of Sun Tracer uh, to win the Louisville Handicap, ridden by Alan Garcia, trained by Kenny McPeak. It was uh, an, an outstanding effort, I must say. And as a matter of fact, kind of McPeak, uh, you know, he's uh, won some long races. He won the Belmont with Merrith with uh, Saraba, who's at Old Friends now. And uh, this was his third win in the Louisville Handicap, which, of course, is a real turf marathon. So he, he knows how to get a horse ready for the long ones. This is a, a, a colt, a son of Warfront, so he's going to be worth something upon retirement. Again, it was War Dancer just holding off a fast-closing Sun Tracer. In the third spot was Moro Tap. Uh, also, a race uh, we, we took a look at was the Sheepshead Bay. Of course, a lot of rain on the East Coast, and the uh, track ended up coming up yielding. But it was a wire, wire to win by Repulsti, if I'm saying that right, a Bill Mott trainee that was racing over in Europe. Uh, Mott's had it now for three races, uh, finished second in the Swanee River, third in the Hillsboro, uh, went wire to wire, and uh, Joel Rosario, just a beautiful ride with a controlled pace. In the second spot was the slight favorite, Abaco, and third was Irish Mission. So uh, from there, we went up to uh, Arlington Park and took a look at uh, they had three graded stakes races last week. And we'll give you the recap on those. It was the grade three Arlington Matron. The winner there, the slight favorite, Latia, did it on the front end with Eddie Baird in the irons, riding just like his good old dad on the front end. Uh, the winner of the Hanshin Cup, the grade three, uh, was Nikki's Sandcastle, one link split the top three. In the second spot was Mr. Mardi Gras, and third was Pass the Dice. And then also in Chicago was the Arlington Classic, and the winner this year was Instant Ford, who was a Philly beating the boys. Affordable was the 9-5 to five favorite, finished third. Splitting them was long on value. So that's a look at the races that we handicap with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. Coming up next, another star of the Daily Racing Forum writing team, Jay Hoveday, and we're going to talk about long rain tales from the world of horse racing. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, as I stated earlier, Jay Hubday. He's been the executive columnist for the Daily Racing Forum since 98, uh, just a sensational writer. Uh, he's the winner of four Eclipse Awards, the author of the biographies, Whittingham, a thoroughbred racing legend, and Cigar, America's Horse. And I hold in my hands, thank you very much, Jay, uh, Long Rain, Tales from the World of Horse Racing. And I've had a chance to dip my toe in the water, and, man, this is going to be a great ride. Jay, thanks so much for being with us on Winning Ponies. Well, thank you, John. It's good to be back. Well, I, I must say, the very first thing that, that, that I did was, was go to the foreword, uh, written by none other than award-winning writer Bill Knack. And, uh, boy, he really uh, hit the nail on, on the head in, in describing you and in describing the, the effort that you've put into your writing over the years. And uh, he pointed out, uh, you know, some of, some of the... The key parts that it really seems that uh, you not only write with your head, but you seem to write with your heart. Well, and I also got a real good education in what it was like to read the best horse racing stories when I was growing up. Uh, John, um, uh, we know all the all the names that everyone should have in their library, or at least access to. Steal, beg, or borrow a book like uh, this was racing from uh, Joe Palmer, or the Fireside Book of Horse Racing, edited by David Woods, or. Even the history of horse racing in America by uh, William uh, Robertson, which was a, a fantastic, uh, I mean, cover-to-cover read for a kid growing up. And, you know, when you've got that kind of bar that you set for yourself, when you start writing stories about racing yourself, you, you kind of feel the pressure to, to live up to what you've, um, what you've read in the past. Well, you're obviously a man that did your homework, but you, you, you stated a little bit about growing up. And the very... Uh, the very well, uh, first story I went to was in your section called Not Forgotten, and it was Orville Hub Day. It was written July 28, 2006, and uh, the love that resonated uh, from that story and the fact that uh, he had passed the baton and the fact that when he passed away, you stated, 
you know, the man that's responsible is this. Elvis has left the building. Uh, it really was touching, but you could almost, it, it almost felt like a black and white movie. You running into the, the old hotel, getting the racing form, and, and having your father pass his love of the game on to you. Yeah, Dad was uh, determined to expose me uh, and my brother to just about every great sporting event that he could get us to. Um, we had a deal later on uh, as he was getting older that uh, uh, I would get him to the Kentucky Derby and he would get me to the Masters. Well, he passed away before uh, I, uh, he could get us to the Masters, but I got him to the Kentucky Derby, and boy, did he do it upright. He had the exacta, <laughs> Fusaichi Pegasus aptitude. He went to a couple of parties, he had dinner with Joe Hirsch, and he went home with a big smile on his face. So from that standpoint, I feel like I paid back a, a, a very tiny proportion of the, the debt I owed him for exposing me to horse racing and, and to good riding through my, through my younger years. Uh, it's wonderful. It reminds me of my days. I was exposed mostly by my brother Bob, who worked at Saratoga. And we lived in Albany, and we would go down to a place called Colson's Newsstand and stand there at about 10.30 at night and wait for the truck to pull up until they threw the daily racing forms off the back of it. And then we and a bunch of other ne'er-do-wells would make a line into Colson's, get the form, and go home and handicap till about 1 in the morning. It just brought a flooded those memories back to me. Um, yeah. the, the way that Jay has, has set this book up, it's kind of neat because it depends on what you want to hone into. Um, there are actually 10 chapters. Of course, Jay has penned over 2,500 uh, columns in a lifetime and probably many more than that. Um, but it's kind of cut in, into 10 chapters. Any, anything from Horse Heroes, uh, The Rock of a Jack, uh, Six Little Big Women, uh, and uh, the, the very touching, not forgotten, and the, the final chapters herself. Um, I thought that was a great way to format it. But the thing is, with all with all the stories you've written, how hard was it to edit down your own best work? Well, it was kind of like throwing darts at a dartboard. Uh, you just you try to uh, assemble as many representative pieces of not only my work but um, of the the era in which I've been lucky enough to be able to to tell these stories. And, you know, so I certainly had to include a considerable amount about Zenyatta herself, uh, who is the, you know, overarching uh, horse of our current lifetimes. And uh, I was, you know, so fortunate to be able to kind of live in her backyard with our other reporters out here in California. And uh, she deserved a chapter unto herself. But, you know, in, in selecting other things, I mean, there were times that... Uh, uh, a horse might strike strike a fancy uh, that uh, wouldn't necessarily live on through the ages, but uh, it was a great story at the time, like Hallowed Dreams or, or even uh, uh, Your Host from the Past or uh, you know, so many of the horses that uh, that we brush close to and, and really mean a lot of us uh, uh, for, a, for a brief period of time. Um, how blessed do you feel that you are that in, in your position with your press pass and in, in your... Uh, constant being over decades on the backstretch, you're well-recognized, you're well-responded, uh, that you're able to reach out to so many of the top people in thoroughbred racing in a comforting fashion. Well, it's kind of cool. I mean, uh, I feel a great responsibility give, being given that kind of access to to tell as many of the stories behind the, uh, behind the inside the ropes and behind the scenes as I possibly can for our readers at the Racing Forum. Um, I think every writer feels that obligation, or at least should, uh, you know, by the same token, uh, yeah, it's 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 a cool job. Uh, I'm not going to you know make any bones about it. I I can't imagine anything that would be more rewarding. 
if you love the sport you're in and and you know um, it'd be the same if I was writing about baseball or or golf or uh, formula 1 racing or whatever uh when when you get that kind of access uh, you've got a responsibility to to share your passion uh, with your readers and and I uh, will we'll tell our our listeners that um as 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 you read long rain uh, tales from the world of horse racing that uh if there was an update or if there was kind of a needed exclam- uh, 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 kind of painting the picture before a, a column comes up, uh, that it's in there. And I think that that's really nice that you kind of do a little explanation of, you know, when this appeared and, and uh, or a follow-up to what happened after you wrote the column. Well, each of the columns is, of course, you know, of its time, whether I wrote it in uh, 1998 or, you know, 2013. So, uh, some of the uh, some of the stories are kind of left hanging a little bit and needed to uh, to have a resolution. But for the most part, uh, you know, the, if if people are reading it, are coming to these stories, knowing a little bit about horse racing or certainly the characters involved, uh, they're probably going to know you know what's become of these these characters uh, you know as history continued. Uh, but there are some people that uh, they might be coming to these stories for the very first time, and uh, you know they deserve to have a little bit of context. I think uh, you know uh, between me and our editors, we we struck a good balance without having to add too much uh, to kind of uh, uh, step on the punchlines and uh, you know make sure that they were the original pieces um, as they were in their own time. Well, you know, as time passes, again, you know, as you say, turf writers are, serve, serve as the memory of the sport. Um, I always remember following your coverage of, let, let's say, uh, Lost in the Fog. And all of a sudden it brought me back to, oh, my gosh, I forgot about those final days of Lost in the Fog. And you wrote a, a sensational uh, column uh, about being very close to the people involved and uh, it just it, it tugged at your heartstrings jay and you did a fantastic job of really putting us on the back stretch as he grazed for the last few final times and then of course you followed it up with the end uh, just one of the examples of uh, just some outstanding writing but it's great because you get a chance with this book to jog people's memories about fantastic events in, in thoroughbred racing and, and isn't that what, what we're talking about? Because thoroughbred racing is history. And, and, you know, look what we're doing with California Chrome and the Triple Crown. Every, uh, you know, once past the handicapping challenge and, and the, the physical challenge that he's facing, everything is about the context of the Triple Crown, why it hasn't been won since 1978, the horses that failed, the horses that came closest, the horses that, you know, it's, it, everyone has become a historian again, and it's, it's so wonderful and so rich to be able to bring up these conversations and have these conversations with people, um, you know, about their memories of whether or not uh, they lived or died by Pleasant Colony or Ali Sheba or, 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 or even more recently with I'll Have Another. Um, and some of those stories uh, are included in the book that I was able to... Uh, to witness, uh, you know, triple crown races and and those kinds of things as well. Well, listen, before I get a chance to maybe ask you a few questions about California Chrome and the Triple Crown, I want to ask our listeners right now that if you've got a pen nearby, now is the time to grab it. Um, Could you tell our listeners what the best methods are of getting their hands on long-range tales from the world of horse racing? Oh sure, they can. Uh, the best place right now, and the book is really literally fresh off the presses. Um, 
they can go to our drf.com uh, daily racing forum site. You don't have to be a, a subscriber. Uh, you don't have to be a, a, a member of any of the levels of uh, subscription. You can go right into the daily racing forum store and go to the new releases, and, uh, and there it is right there. You can order it right off the website. Uh, there are also uh, ads popping up on the website for the, the, store, the, uh, the book itself. And uh, the Kindle versions, uh, the e-book version, uh, I should say, uh, both Kindle and on Barnes & Noble are available now. And uh, the book will be starting to, to, to flow out into the bookstores and the gift shops at racetracks uh, over the coming weeks. Well, all I can tell you is just from what I've been able to get into this, and, man, I feel like it's Christmas with this book on my desk. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into the rest of it. Now, right from your own backyard, California Chrome, Anybody that's listening to this show knows the story. It's a fantastic one. I mean, it's one that's uh, written for for the uh, movies, I believe. You know, with, with all the cast of characters that are involved. What about the main character, California Chrome? He seems to be so relaxed and so cool. And the fact that he's been able to put away the other three year olds like he has, in your opinion, Jay, are we looking at a triple crown winner? I don't know. We're just looking at such an exciting, interesting horse that, uh, you know, winning the Triple Crown would almost be gravy uh, compared to what he's done to this point. Um, we know that there are so many variables that go into a three-year-old winning a mile-and-a-half race at Belmont Park at the end of uh, the spring ordeal that these guys go through. So, I mean, I could say, yes, he's going to, and I'd look just as silly as I did when I said, yes, Smarty Jones was going to. And I could say, no, he hasn't got a shot uh, any more than uh, they said it was, uh, you know, Ali Sheba's turn, or excuse me, uh, Aladar's turn against Affirmed. Um, you, you just can't get inside the skin of an animal that's going through this sort of physical challenge well enough. Now, certainly, there's going to be a, you know, a, a fresh stack uh, uh, up against him, uh, and they... And they are all, all the contenders, with the exception of Ride on Curlin, train right there in their own backyard at Belmont Park. So uh, that is a big leap. We have to remember that the last three Triple Crown winners were all right at home at Belmont Park. They weren't playing road games like California Chrome has been doing. If he does it, he will have done something that no Triple Crown winner has done for as long a time as anyone can remember, and that's play road games all the way through the Triple Crown. Absolutely. Fantastic analysis. Once again, uh, for our listeners, Long Rain, written by Jay Hovde, uh, Tales from the World of Horse Racing. They are marvelous tales. It's a great read. It's a pretty good-sized book. You know, you've got uh, at least 81 stories in there to read, and it's one of those ones you can pick up and put down, but every single one of them is a treasure, in my opinion. And Jay, I thank you for your time being on Winning Ponies with us tonight. Well, thank you very much, John, and uh, best of luck at Belterra. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, coming up next, the other part of a Double J Night here on Winning Ponies. We're going to be talking with Jay Privman, and we'll be getting into the Belmont Stakes even a little bit more. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite guests and favorite writers and on-air talent, Jay Privman, is going to be with us. Uh, of course, you know that he covers the Triple Crown. Uh, he covers the Breeders' Cup. He's based in Southern California, so we're going to be blessed with his knowledge about California Chrome as we get to that part of the interview. Uh, he, he's an Eclipse Award winner. I could go on and on, but I'd rather talk to Jay. Jay Privman, how are you doing? Good, John. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. A little warm here in Cincinnati, but uh, we're we're doing okay. Well, earlier in the show, I know you probably didn't have a chance to listen to it, but you know, I I had to sit there. It's almost like I have had to every week and reel off the fact that uh, uh, intense holiday retired from racing, uh, strong mandate retired from racing. In in all of your years in in covering horse racing, do you recall this many three-year-olds falling off the trail? Um, yeah, there were actually. I did a story on this earlier this year that the attrition rate, you know, leading up to the Derby this year was the same as last year. If you look at who the prominent horses were of a year ago, and and the attrition rate in terms of, you know, like Shanghai Bobby and Violence were the Breeders' Cup winner and Cash Call Futurity winner from a year ago, and there were several others. Um, so yes, I, we 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 have short memories. It, it does seem to happen. Uh, a lot. There's a pretty high attrition rate, so uh, it, it, it's not unprecedented. Well, th- thanks for jogging my memory. Most of the times, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, but you know, it just seems like uh, you know, I just uh, I, I hate to read about it. And of course, some of these horses could come back, but they might not come back at the level they would. And who wants to tarnish, you know, a Grade One Stakes winner's uh, you know performance? And as you know, uh, off to uh, the, uh, the the stud barn. Um, you know, the thing, John, just but as sort of a tangent to your point about the the attrition rate. I mean, even though it's let's say it's similar to a year ago and, and, and other recent years. I mean, it's still, it, it still seems high that so many do drop away. And one of the things about it, not to you know, jump too far ahead of what you want to cover, but you know, I think that's just another reason why the admiration for California Chrome is deserved. I mean, not only is he winning races, but he continues to thrive. And you know, look at all the horses that 
were supposed to be part of his challengers that couldn't even get through the prep season or the, or the Triple Crown, and he keeps chugging along. I mean, that's something that should not be overlooked. Absolutely, it shouldn't. And I'm not sure who did the, who did the study. I remember reading it several years ago because we, we had uh, just a lot of people poo-pooing two-year-old racing, but they went back and did a study of you know some of racing's greats. Uh, you can mention Allie Darren affirmed in more modern senses, but I believe you know horses like uh, uh, Kelso and Forgo and Seabiscuit. Um, these were horses, I guess, you know, that were developed early in their life, and the, the two-year-old racing really didn't take a toll on them, and they also raced with more regularity. Um, are, are we babying these horses along, or is it just bad luck during the era we're in? I mean, that's probably a better question to ask of a trainer, but uh, you know, I, I, I do think that each circumstance is different for each horse, but I don't think there's any substitute for experience and, and, and soundness. And, you know, again, going back to not only California Chrome, but if you look at this year's Triple Crown, who are the two horses that have done the best so far through the first two legs? California Chrome and Ride on Curlin. Who are the horses of this year's Triple Crown going into the Kentucky Derby and now into the Belmont Stakes that had the most experience uh, at, at two and are continuing to thrive now at three? It's those two horses. So it, it goes to show that if you have a good foundation, I think it, it really can serve you well uh, the following year as you try and go down this Triple Crown Trail. Well, Jay, as, as a, an established award-winning writer, you've got to absolutely be loving the California Chrome story. I mean, it's, it's as if a screenwriter sat down and said, huh, let me see, uh, let me get some guy that used to be kind of a moderate jockey and then turned out to be, you know, a decent trainer but never had the headlines. Let me find a, uh, a jockey that used to, uh, r- grew up on a goat farm, would ride mules but was afraid of horses. Uh, let me find a couple owners that are kind of colorful individuals that have their own quirks. I'll put them <laughs> together and they'll breed a modest horse and they'll win the Kentucky Derby. That sounds like a good script, doesn't it? It, it really is. I mean, it's uh, it's an amazing story. It's been a lot of fun to cover and you know, I've known Art Sherman a long time, and this, there's a lot of people in the game that are like Art Sherman who've been on the racetrack their whole life. I mean, there's a guy who's been on the racetrack for 60 years, as you mentioned, first as a jockey, as a rider for 23 years, and then he became a trainer. He's won 2,000 races. He's not some ding-dong who just came along and wins three races a year, and, and, and this fell into his lap. He's been a very successful trainer over the years, but he's never had the super big money behind him. And there's, most of the people in the game are like that. Most of the people are not Bob Baffert or Todd Pletcher, uh, who have multi-gazillionaires behind them and, and are willing to purchase more than 52-year-olds a year for them to weed through to, to try and come up with a derby starter. Uh, so I, I think it's really notable what Art Sherman's done. I think it's a real uh, uh, illustration that if you give... A, a, a top trainer, the goods, they can do it. And it's not just the same four or five names that we read about every year. There are so many people in this game who are capable of doing what Art Sherman has done. And fortunately for Art Sherman, he got the chance to do it because this horse fell into his lap. But there's a lot of people in the game like him, and it's, it's really neat to see at least one of them get rewarded like this. Absolutely, it is. You know, I, I work with uh, Mike Manganello, the former rider who won the Kentucky Derby on uh, on Dust Commander, and Mike rode with him up at Thistledown in Cleveland, Ohio. 
And he said, man, he says, I remember Art Sherman. He said he was just as much of a class act as a rider as he is as a trainer. And it just seems to me like there's so many people pulling for this horse. Um, it would be such a feel-good story if he got the job done. But, uh, you know, I'm reading your advanced copy here uh, uh, tomorrow, Familiar Feel, to the, to the Chrome Gallop. But, but you also penned a story uh, called The Jockey's Triple Crown Dreams Must Survive Tough Final Test. And, and you go into uh, some very deep description through the uh, eyes of jockeys that have won and lost this race as to how different it is riding at what we'll call Big Sandy, the, the Belmont Park Oval. Yeah, it was fun to do. I mean, one of the neat things is that the NTRA did a conference call the other day where they had all the Triple Crown trainers, jockeys, and owners from the 1970s who are still around on that. And so uh, both Ron Turcott and Steve Cawthon made comments on that uh, in in that venue. And then on my own, I had spoken to Gary Stevens the other morning when I was at Santa Anita, and I called Angel Cordero on the phone and just put together a story on some of their thoughts on riding in the Belmont Stakes, but, but at Belmont Park as well, because it's just such a, there's no track in the U.S. that's anywhere like it, a mile and a half in circumference, whereas most tracks are a mile around, so it's 50% bigger than most tracks in, in the United States, uh, and all the nuances of, and quirks of riding it, the long, long backstretch, the big sweeping turns, the, the sandier surface uh, that gets dried out when it doesn't rain, and how you have to really reorient yourself to uh, just how big it is. And Cordero had a, a funny line. He said that when you turn into the backstretch, where you usually would see the three-quarter pole at a mile track, that's at Belmont Park, that's where the mile pole is. So you still got a mile to go, not six furlongs. So just right. things like that, and it was uh, it was a fun story to write, and it's it's online, and it's actually even free. So uh, people can actually go and read it without having to pay for it. So maybe you get what you pay for, but hopefully you'll like it too. And no, it'll, it'll no, 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 it, no. It, it, it's dot com, and you can go up there. Like you said. Uh, there are some uh, stories that uh, that you have to move up a little bit, and man, is it worth it! Um, I love the new uh, DRF Live uh, asset that, that that you've put in, into the program because it's like sitting in the press box with you guys. Yeah, it's fun to do on the big race days. Uh, we did it. We'll do it again this Saturday. We did it obviously at the Derby and, and Preakness. We'll certainly do it for the Belmont Stakes, and it's an, it's a streaming update from us is in terms of it's kind of forward looking what we think of maybe an upcoming race or sequence of races some maybe some tips uh, of things that from things that we've gleaned either as a handicapper or from just having observed horses in the morning while there and, and hopefully it's it's helpful to the people who are betting on the horses right then well, I believe it is, and I love it. Now, let me ask you a question just from your viewpoint, because you had a chance to talk to that, uh, you know, that handful of uh, Hall of Fame jockeys that, that, that had won or lost the Belmont by, by a nose. Is, do you think Victor Espinosa is rolling the dice by not getting to Belmont a little early to get acclimated? Well, I mean, he's getting there this Saturday to work the horse, so I'm, I don't know how much earlier you'd, one would want him to come in. Um, and well, he's ridden Gary there Stevens like ride there for a week before he won it. Pardon? Was it Gary Stevens that said he got there about a week early to really kind of get in the rhythm of riding there? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I not when I spoke to him the other day. That it didn't. It wasn't something I asked him about. But um, 
you know, Victor's ridden at, at Belmont Park before. He's getting there Saturday, like I said, to, to work the horse. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think that it's yet, a, it, to me, this falls into the line of, wow, he didn't work between, at, at Churchill Downs leading up to the Derby, and oh, he didn't work in between the Derby and Preakness, and oh, he has a throat blister, they should scratch him. I mean, just, I think people really overreact to, to things, and, and to me, Victor Espinosa, having ridden at Belmont Park and working the horse on Saturday, I think everybody just needs to take a chill pill about all that. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, I just find people just get whipsawed emotionally over things that you don't really need to get worked up over. Okay. Well, we're uh, talking with uh, award-winning writer Jay Priven from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to take a quick break here on Winning Ponies. And when we come back, I kind of want Jay to bring us up uh, from the information that he gleaned from his last column as far as how California Chrome is doing at Belmont. And then I want to ask him who potentially the main horses are that he's going to have to watch out for when they turn for home at Belmont Park going for the Triple Crown. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. He's still left. I don't care where they put him. High school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum. And while Jay, I believe, right now is parked in California, he's a boots-on-the-ground kind of guy. I've seen him covering major races. Uh, he, he's up at daybreak, uh, and he's, he, he knows these people, everybody that's associated with California Chrome. And uh, to read your articles, Jay, it sounds like you're at Belmont. Uh, how do you stay in touch with everybody? Because uh, you don't seem to miss a detail. Well, it's, it, it's gotten a lot easier with the advent of the cell phone. So I can call Alan Sherman on the phone, uh, or, you know, Naira's been really good about posting 
videos of California Chrome's gallops in the morning uh, and the daily press briefing that Alan Sherman has had. Uh, so that certainly helps, but there's no substitute for being there in person. And I'm very eager to fly back to New York on Sunday and, and be out at Belmont Park from Monday morning onward to chronicle everything leading up to the race next Saturday. Oh, that's great. So you'll have five full days there on the ground. All I can say is everything I've read from you and everything I, I've seen, it seems to me that th- this horse is like, wow, New York, where have I been? I love the surface. They said rain or shine, fast or sloppy, that California Chrome is just gliding over the surface there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what they've said. I, like I said, there's no substitute, as far as I'm concerned, for seeing them in person and having watched him a lot at home in California and seen him obviously at, at Churchill and then at Pimlico, I'm just eager to see how he looks in comparison. Cause that to me is the thing. I mean, I, I know for instance, you might have recalled Derby week. There are a lot of people that were getting all hot and bothered over the way he was galloping in the morning. They said, Oh, he goes really slow the first mile and then he kind of picks it up and he doesn't look you know, all that interested. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's how he goes at home though. And right. He's won four straight. So, that's why, to me, it's, it's, you have to have a baseline as to what a horse usually looks like in order to know if it's, if it's good or bad. And that's why I, I, I really wanted to see him in person before I you know, pass judgment as to whether he's gliding over the track and, and things of that nature. I mean, maybe he is, but, it's like, again, it's, just, it's a lot easier to make those judgments when you see him in person. Well, one person you work with, uh, Barbara Livingston, uh, does an outstanding job at chronicling. I don't know if this girl ever sleeps or anything, but she doesn't. You know, She's the, a vampire. The, the, the pictures that you see, the images she presents, this looks like one happy and healthy horse right now. I know people question his pedigree. You need to go back a couple generations to find uh, you, the big names in there. But so far, he's pretty much blown away any three-year-old that's put in a solid challenge uh, towards him in the last five races. Yeah, he's won six straight races against horses that supposedly have better pedigrees, so his, his pedigree's not hurting him. I mean, there's, sometimes there's just genetic freaks. I mean, he's not bred to be anything more than a maiden 25, but he's a terrific racehorse. And, you know, John Henry wasn't bred to be mm-hmm. anything more than a probably a maiden 25. And, and look what he went on and did. He won 39 out of 83 starts and six-point-something million dollars and two horse of the years and raced till he was age nine. So sometimes there's just genetic freaks. And Lord knows we've seen plenty of well-bred horses that couldn't outrun you and me, John. So it's, it's, <laughs> not, just, it's not just the pedigree. And he's, he's certainly an outlier, but it, it is possible for it to happen, and he's one of them. Well, with that said, uh, is there a, a bird stone uh, lurking there of the horses that have had a chance to perhaps rest? And as you said, a lot of them are hometown horses uh, at Belmont. They, you know, they're in their familiar setting. They're over their familiar strip. Uh, who do you see, perhaps, as sad to say, a horse that may upset his bid for the Triple Crown? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a horse race. I mean, it's uh, so I, I, it, it's it's you know, I, I don't, I don't know that they should just sort of. I mean, if he gets beat, it's not going to be the end of the world. I mean, he's won six straight. He's the best three-year-old in the country, and he, he's won the Kentucky Derby. So it'd be obviously a tremendous feat. It hasn't happened for 36 years. It'd be great to witness something like that since it ha- hasn't happened for so long. But you know, I, I would like to think that the last 36 years and all the horses that we've seen that have not been able to pull it off after winning the first two would make people soberly realistic about how hard it is to do. Uh, 
And, you know, to your specific question, to me, the two horses that I'm most interested in seeing back there uh, are Tonalist, who I always liked earlier this year in Florida, and he looked to me like a, a horse that was going to be an up-and-coming late developer, and I, I thought his Peter Pan was very good. And Wicked Strong was back at his home court and had a bit of a compromised trip in the Kentucky Derby uh, when Danza cut in front of him during the stretch, uh, and he had to really check an alter course. Uh, and he's been rested like Birdstone, like Empire Maker, skipping the Preakness and pointing to the uh, to the Belmont Stakes. So uh, those, to me, are, are the, the two that, at this point, I think would be the biggest threats to California Chrome. Um, I, for some reason, I, I, I'm not... I, I don't see social inclusion in this race, and I, I think they're kind of swinging the bat. It's too bad they didn't sell the horse after a second race for $8 million. Well, that, like, I mean, just to go back to your the $8 million, I mean, that was according to the owner. Um, so I don't know anybody. I have zero confirmation that there was ever an actual $8 million offer to that horse, and I have never written that that horse that he turned down an $8 million offer because of that. So that's, that's what I'll say about that quote-unquote $8 million offer. Now, we will say there was a $6 million offer that makes the California Chrome people look awful smart. Correct. I mean, they did turn that down, uh, and they rolled the dice, and it worked out for them. You know, social inclusion, I think it just goes to show how hard it is to, if you don't have a, a foundation, to try and go from an unstarted started maiden in February to running in... Uh, the Triple Crown races. I mean, he, he didn't have enough points to make the Derby after finishing third in the Wood, and uh, and, and then uh, uh, you know he was he was third in the in the Preakness, and now they're deciding. They say the owner says he's deciding between the Belmont, which is a mile and a half, and the Woody Stevens, which is seven furlongs. Um, that to me sort of tells me the mindset of what you're dealing with there when you can't make up your mind between a mile and a half race. And a seventh for a long race. That, that's just that's. I don't know that that's really good horsemanship. <laughs> well, well said. We're talking with Jay Pribman from the Daily Racing Forum. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I've only got a couple minutes left, Jay. I know you're out there. I I asked you to just kind of take a peek at two races, if you would. Yeah. Um. The the the, the Californian. I mean, can we put a ring around Fury Capori? Yeah, Fury Capori is really in terrific form right now. He's won four straight races and. Won the Precisionist last time. I mean, the only bugaboo is that, you know, Rafael Bejarano was on him for those four straight wins, and he got hurt real badly, and so Corey Nakatani's taking over, and Corey's ridden him before, but that's just the only, you know, little fly in the ointment on this one. And th- there might be some pace to go with him early, but, uh, you know, I-, I think a horse like Stormfighter is-, is kind of an interesting horse in this race. I mean, he's got early speed like Fury Cap Corey. He's in real good form right now. He's going in open company, but... This is a horse who had a lot of promise at, at three, and they gave him a long time off, and his two route races since he's come back after a sprint prep were, were really good. So I don't think it's a layup for Fury Cap Corey, but he's obviously the horse to beat. Hey, uh, you, you, you brought it up. As you know, I was here the day he won his first race, Rafael Bejarano. Uh, have there been any updates on his health condition? Just that, I mean, he had surgery. Uh, he had a lot of injuries, and uh, he's going to be out for uh, – for a while, but hopefully, you know, we'll see him back at least by Del Mar. That's, I think, what they're hoping to do. But I haven't heard anything specific for the last week and a half. 
Well, he's he's one tough cookie and one great individual, and I I really say prayers for him and, and hope that he bounces back. I'm going to bet on it that he will. Also out there, you got a grade one uh, this weekend, uh, the rare mile and a quarter distance uh, on the turf uh, for for the girls. you got a mixed bag here. I'll tell you what, I couldn't get anybody to rise to the top in here. This is a tough group of eight, especially with Wayne Catalano shipping in with his Ashland Stakes winner. Yeah, this is a really good race, the American Oaks, and you're right, uh, Cat decided to bring uh, uh, room service in. It was a dead heat uh, winner with Rosalind in the, in the Ashland Stakes. She's getting back on the grass, and she was a, a stake winner on the grass at Gulfstream during the winter, and the, here comes the bribe. But there's a, there's a couple of fillies out here, John, that have been running against one another uh, repeatedly, and that's Neshoba's Gold and, and Diversity Harbor, and I'm a really big fan of Neshoba's Gold. I, I think she's got a chance to really be a top filly. She's won three out of four, uh, was unlucky the one time she got beat, uh, and you might remember uh, a, a really good mare with a similar pedigree named Neshoba's Key, uh, who Carla Gaines trained. It was a really top-class uh, grass mare, and this is a a half-sister to her, and uh, I think this filly's got a lot of upside, so that's who I would be banking on in that one. All right, Jay Pribman from the Daily Racing Forum with us. Jay, have a great flight to New York. I'm looking forward to uh, reading what you see uh, leading up to the Triple Crown. I hope you have a great time, and I thank you so much for spending time with us on Winning Ponies. It's always good being with you, John. All right. Well, that was Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum, along with him, a partner I'm sure he bumps into the press box on a daily basis, Jay Hovday. I want to thank both those guys, and I want to wish everybody a great week, a great Belmont. It's going to be one of the best cards you've ever seen on one day. Don't forget, go to Winning Ponies, get those easy win forms, and we'll make you an easy winner. Thanks again for joining us on Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.